So here we all are again, wherever here is. And that sense that each of us is sitting in the place where the past and the future meet, you know, the kind of present moment. And in this place we have the results of everything that's come before. Yeah. And then in terms of the next moment we have the response to that. So when I think of myself here, here where in a way, all time sits. There's that sense for what gestures, what mudra do this, these different senses need. That sense of the past, whether, whatever it means for you. you know, and it seems to me the gesture that is most helpful to cultivate are two gestures. One is of thankfulness, and the other is of forgiveness. So when I sit here and I think of everything that's brought me to this moment, much of it really beautiful, some of it difficult, yeah. In a way we can be thankful for all of it, but in that in that movement, there are things that need this gesture of forgiveness, don't they? Of understanding. And it's that sense, and I think really we're talking about how we hold ourselves, aren't we? That there are things we regret, there are things we wish hadn't happened, and that we really see those as things to be understood with compassion. Certainly when I look back, there are some things, you know, I'd give anything to be able to change, yeah. Just some of the follies of youth, you could say, in some cases. And just think, wow, if only I'd been there knowing this. So can I have kindness for that young being doing the best they could, yeah? And you know, there are there are all kinds of things that happen in a lifetime up there. And here we are. Here we are upgrading ourselves in Dhamma. And some things well that was a really um well unfortunate thing for someone to have done. Even down for me, to the way we were treated at school as women and the sense of what we could or couldn't do, you know, the aspirations that were just kind of crushed. And I but if I'd actually followed what at that point my passion was, would I have actually had the, um, what it took to put everything down, give everything away and practice the holy life? Maybe it was fortunate, this man who wanted to crush all aspiration for this being. I'm not saying for all, and I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but can look back and think, hey, 
maybe in the flow of this life there's been some kind of crazy logic going on. Only to the extent that it means that right now I'm here. And how do we meet the past? How do we meet really difficult things? And, you know, I've, as some of you know, we've had some, well, whole planet, but New Zealand had some really savage things happen in the last couple of years. And what's been most stunning about them is that some people, even when really dreadful things have happened, have maintained hearts of love. And it just changes everything. And it's not that they're saying bad things shouldn't happen or should happen, but that they they don't come out of empathy. It's about this gesture moving forward, doesn't it? That if, if we let ourselves come into contraction, then we're not capable of the love that's needed in the next moment to meet everything. Yeah. What's it like when somebody suffered tremendous wrong and they stand there and they express love? Yeah. It kind of uprights everything, doesn't it? It comes out of some um, conflict to it so clear what is right and true and should be happening. It's a kind of mysterious power. And it's the sense, I guess, that the Buddha had that hatred never ceases by hatred, only by love. This is the eternal law. And to trust that, and to trust it really in relation to ourselves, that the medicine is love and understanding. really we hear some wild things don't we in our in our lives and last week there was a whole thing playing out here where the government has approved a whole lot of funding to go to one of the gangs here mongrel mob which is local to around here and the funding is for a drug rehabilitation program that they want to run you only can hear one side of things say, you're giving money to crooks and gangsters yeah, to run drug rehab programs. And the Prime Minister came back and said, no, essentially these, 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 some of these people are leaders in the communities they're in. They're committed to supporting youth to come out of drugs. And anyway... It's the very people who are having trouble with drugs that we want to support. Well, that's kind of radical. Whether voices on one side are just this kind of condemnation. I'm not saying it's the answer, but it's a. It's, can we look at things in different ways and say, well, how do we stay in empathetic connection with things? So we, we do that by, by keeping a sense of forgiveness here 
and by you know, and that has to have a lot of understanding in it, doesn't it? Understanding comma, cause and effect, conditionality of things. And to have that sense of thankfulness for what has been given. So we're not we're not coming out of a place of poverty or lack. And then the the movement out is a movement out rather than kind of suck things in. We go, well how do I what do I offer? How do I bless? So here we've been in this time of inwardness and togetherness. Well, what's the next movement out of here? What what do I want to take forth into the next moment? With this one wild and precious life, what do I want to do? When I sit here, you know, for me on this beautiful afternoon, you and your evenings or mornings, or here we are, and what are we going to do? It's an expression of this teaching. How do we stay true to what is most important? So it's a to me, it's an ongoing inquiry, isn't it? You know, it's once again, like, where's the middle? It's a reflective process, what is needed. But to know what is needed, we have to know what is here. And we have to have the capacity and willingness to know, hey, it's like this. To meet what is arising, the results of what has gone before, And then the sense of the mudra we meet the world with. Yeah. So, to me, one of the aspects of this is the Buddha talked about the sense of, you know, when he saw an old person, a conceit of youth left him. When he saw a sick person, the conceit of health left him. When he saw a dead person, the conceit of life left him. What's the meaning? And we can live from a place where we just presume there's endless time, endless health, endless everything. We've in a way grasped the sense of the body as us, the kind of immortality of that. And it's, you know, it's, it could be shocking just how strongly we have identified with the body as a kind of permanent thing. And how much we, we've done that, this conceiving, this holding, the sense of me and associated with these things means we're cut off from the preciousness and fragility of life. And then when these things change, we think something's gone wrong. These bodies of ours age, suffer illness. So we're both in conflict with life, with the stream of life, 
very nature of life, but we have lost the sense of urgency and preciousness. So, I don't know about you, but I sometimes sit and I think, now if I only had a day, what would be most important? And am I living in a way that stays true to that? I only had an hour. This was my last breath. So these recollections can help us stay really upright in the chitta, upright in what is most important. So that we actually move from that place. Move forth from a place of love, connection, blessing. Yeah. If this is the last afternoon, this being is here. Or you are there. What would you like your chitta centered in? So it's these recollections you know, as we as we start to transition from from being more inward to being more engaged. Oh, and you can probably, you know, over the last afternoon of practice just felt that kind of there can be a kind of rising energy, kind of movement into doing. And you get a lot of insight, as I was saying earlier, from this this time. Because you can get the sense of how you get caught, you get trapped. And so what if we just steady that that energy and really feel what's beneath it, behind it, around it. And let's check that it really is aligning with what is most precious to us. So we don't just jump back into habits in our relationship with the world. In a way, it's about pausing and letting things come, isn't it? Staying here, chitta upright, receiving, and staying attuned, staying connected. Because this is where the strength and the possibility is. And then here, with what do I want to touch the world? What recollection do I want to keep with me? And each of us will have a different one. And I know me, I just really find staying with this quality of a nature. The kind of ephemeral, changing, conditioned nature of all conditioned things allows 
love to be there. Sound so dry, uncertainty, impermanence. But actually, as a we live it, it frees us up, doesn't it? To stay centered in love. Compassionate. So you know, the, in the teachings, there is this tremendous encouragement to do this work of really understanding the heart and getting the capacity along with the willingness to actually meet the world in ways that bring well-being, that bring blessings. And to me, you know, that sense of really being diligent in that, having this real commitment to, as I've said many times, we put down what is unhelpful, stressful, not for our well-being, not for others' well-being, and we pick up what is helpful and maintain it in being. This is our training now, our acts of love. And it's a it's a process, you know, as Sariputta said, and that that sutta I talked about again and again. And once again and this quality of again and again, love is there. There's no giving up on it. If it takes me billions of years, yeah. We don't give up on freeing a heart. So and there are these beautiful exhortations within the suttas, you know, irrigators channel water, arrowsmiths shape arrows, carpenters shape wood, the wise, they train themselves. Train's a funny word, but they, they, they get so they're really aligned with what they love. So we've said a lot you know, over these last days, so maybe that's enough. Thank you.